Happy Slappy Friday. It's February 19th, 2021. We're almost, almost a year into COVID-19, which took up and which which swallowed 2020. I know that they call it COVID-19 because it was first identified in 2019, but they should call it COVID-20 because it really had more to do with 20 as a, as an, you know, how it affected the world and affected all of us was 2020. People aren't going to think, oh, yeah, remember how 2019 bad it was when they found that COVID? You know, I mean, they must have found it in the last three seconds of 2019 because 2020 is what it was all about, baby. Yeah, we we shut down mid-March. So uh, for me, I think it, the last time I coached was the 12th of March. Uh, and uh, And so my swim team was shut down. And uh, it's the last time that I was out and about on a pool deck, which is a place I, I tend to hang out. I tend to be out on those pool decks coaching coaching in, in, in all weather. Uh, of course, it is Southern California, so how bad is the weather, right? It's not like Texas. Um, although, you know, over the years, I've been out when it's freezing cold. I have been out coaching when it's raining. Uh, the only time you're not out coaching is when there's lightning. And then you go, yep, pack it in, everybody out out of the pool everybody head for cover and uh and so um you know um and in southern california pools are almost exclusively outdoor things because our weather supports it you know i know back east most pools are indoor pools um that said i know there's outdoor pools there too because hey summer um so you know you do what you gotta do um so hopefully this whole thing will be passing. So going on in the tech world, um, uh, Apple has, uh, there's some rumors going on that they're going to have an event in March. Uh, and so those who are, are watchers and interested in any Apple stuff, uh, you might want to hold off on buying it, particularly um, the iPads, apparently the large iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch. I don't know why they don't sell it. It's just 13 inch ish. But uh, anyway, that uh, the large iPad Pro and the iPad Mini are rumored to be uh, soon to be improved. I don't know why they would update the 12.9 inch iPad and not the more standard sized 11 inch one. But uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, and then uh, the long-rumored uh, Apple's Air Tags or whatever they're going to call them—who knows what they'll actually mark them as—but their their uh, their version of the little uh, locator discs, sort of like um, uh, what the Tile people do, that will use their their wideband radios, so they'll be more accurate, and they'll be built into the operating system, so every phone in the world will help identify something that's got your Air Tag on it. And then send that info back to the folks that, uh, uh, you know, back to you, basically. It's like, so they won't see it, but their radio will be silently and quietly, you know, checking the area to see if there's any tags and then sending information to whoever's the registered owner of those tags saying, hey, your tag is right here. So if you lose something, there's much more likelihood that if you've got a tag on it, that you'll be able to find it because it's built into the operating system. Um, I suspect that 
people like Tile and, and, and their competitors are going to uh, uh, want to tie into that. And to that end, Apple a while ago opened up their Find Me app so that you could add in, um, you know, they created basically a, a, a hooks into it so that pro developers could use the operating system uh, features to, to use tags like that. So, uh, so that way that they're being uh, creating a fair playing field. It's always one of those things that, that every operating system manufacturer has to deal with. And I know, my, you know Microsoft went through this and Apple's going through this too, where if you're an operating system manufacturer and you make a, uh, a product or a service that runs on your operating system, you are sort of inherently expected to uh, not use secret hooks into the operating system to make your product work where somebody else's can't. So anything that you're going to open up uh, to use any functionality that you're creating within the operating system for your devices, you need to also have access to that programmatically through an API, an application programming interface. For developers who want to create competing devices or software. And so, um, and that has not always been the case. There have developers uh, have, have uh, uh, known for quite some time that there's a lot of things that Apple does with their apps that you're not allowed to do. Simple things like um, the uh, icon for your app on iOS. When you, um, when you create an icon for your app it's a static thing and yet they have a calendar app that shows the date and so its icon changes every day um you know they have a clock app that actually has the accurate time on it on the icon so it's a dynamic icon for the app you're not allowed to have dynamic icons you can put a uh, a little bug on it to say you have x number of messages waiting or you know three things that need your attention or something like that but that's as dynamic as they get and that's not been something that's opened up and i know there's a lot of developers who would like to be able to create their icon that does other things and apple's response has always been well if we do that we don't know how much stuff they're going to do and we'll eat up a lot of battery power animating all of these icons and so we're limiting it to just the few things that we do that we think are important like the clock and the calendar and uh you know, while I understand the desire to manage the battery power, they, you know, it's it's a little unfair for people who could do some interesting things with those icons. Um, if you think back to the Windows Phone, one of the things that set it apart from I, either Android or uh, Apple, and of course the Windows Phone, you know, ended up being a failure, and they they no longer are in the marketplace. But um, uh, one of the innovative ideas they had was the idea of tiles on the screen that could dynamically update. And Apple has addressed that to some extent by allowing you to put widgets on the desktop of your iOS devices now. And those widgets can update dynamically. Um, but there are some specific rules about how those are updated. So they're not, uh, you can't do like a clock that, that continually ticks and, and stays on time because it's not necessarily updated every second. It's sort of a, um, there's like a queuing system for you to, when you want to update your, your widget, that you put the request into this queue through the operating system and then it updates the widget uh, when it chooses to or when the next clock cycle comes around for it to do that. And that way, um, 
Apple still controls or the operating system still controls how much those updates or how often those updates happen in order to manage the battery power. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's a limited solution. It, it works sort of, but it's not like the um, tiles that were available on the Windows uh, phone when it came out. And, uh, you know, and, and I think there's some value in having that. You know, and you have to balance that against what's the battery going to be. It'd be nice if what they did was just, you know, uh, allow you as the user to say, I want these to be dynamic and updated regularly, and these other ones I don't want to be dynamic and updated regularly, and understand that as you make those choices, they can have a bar going across saying maximizes battery use, minimizes battery use. And so if you turn them all on, your battery use is minimized. And if you turn them all off, then your ma- your battery use is maximized. And you can just decide where you want to draw that line. Um, you know, and that seems like a fairly good way to do it. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Apple regularly changes and or modifies how they do things and responds to the world around them. They're not, you know, they don't live in a sandbox. So we'll see um, what they do. We did end the radio show by saying that... Uh, that when it comes to operating systems, they have dropped to third place in the market now. Uh, you know, as much as the the Mac is seen as a device that's used on a lot of college campuses, on a lot of school campuses, primary and secondary schools, uh, Chrome OS is the number one operating system. And as a result, Chrome OS is now uh, the number two operating system in the world with 10.8% of the marketplace. That's compared to 80.5% uh, for Windows. So 80, uh, Windows is still by far the dominant operating system. Um, but there's a lot of Chromebooks out there that people use pretty regularly. And, uh, and you know, it's showing in the marketplace. And I think, you know, what you're, the, the, the sneaky thing is is that you get a lot of kids who in grade school are using Chromebooks. And as they get older, they're like, well, why do I want to buy a Mac? Why do I want to buy a PC? Why would I spend all that money? I mean, a $200 Chromebook works just fine for me. All of the apps that I want to use are on on the web anyway, so the Chromebook is perfect. And you know, it's 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 a smart idea. It's it's sort of the the thin client idea that had been pushed around in computer uh, circles for a long time. The idea that that the part that the user uses is just sort of a dumb terminal into whatever is the online thing and so the operating system doesn't is, is is fairly straightforward and simple because it doesn't do a lot for you what it does is it attaches you to the internet and the internet then uh, provides you with um, uh, your word processor your spreadsheet your email your your news reader your you know insert whatever it is that you do on your computer here and uh, and Chrome has done a, uh, the best job of any of its predecessors at making that a reality. Um, you know, it does have some drawbacks because when you're in a place where there's poor Internet connectivity or no Internet connectivity, it becomes either unstable or unusable. And uh, and so, um, you know, it, it just depends on your, your situation and how you're going to use the device. I think there's probably room for for Windows and for Mac and for PC, and the three of them will continue to coexist, at least for the time being. So we'll see what happens over time. But right now, you know, you pick the one that works for you and your budget and what your needs are. Um, If I were a parent who had young kids at school uh, from home right now and doing a lot of online stuff this past year, I think that I would uh, put them on Chromebooks pretty quickly and easily and say, yep, that's it, that's all you need, do it. And... uh, and not even have them on 
some of the you know a, a Mac or a PC. But uh, uh, you know uh, depends on what their school district's doing and how well that works with them. So uh, other uh, stuff in the Apple world, apparently they have posted a new platform security guide, and it is giving people more insight into both iOS and macOS security and how it is set up. Um, a while back, they had offered to create some iOS devices that were sort of unprotected, that didn't have some of the locks to the way the operating system is so that developers of security software could get into them and understand how to to work in harmony with Apple's built-in security, and those are, were were shipped uh, started shipping towards the end of last year. So they've you know a couple months ago, and uh, so developers are applauding this new iOS security guide and and macOS security guide as you know giving them some insight into how Apple approaches these things because uh, they. You know they're kind of notoriously tight-lipped and haven't shared that information before, and I think a lot of people were frustrated. A lot of developers were frustrated with um, not quite knowing how to get done what they want to get done, and now they have a reference, something that they can go back and look at and say, "Well, this this explains it." But they do kind of walk a line between something that's readable and something that's filled with technical information. So, um, you know, it's not a complete blueprint of everything they do. And there is a certain amount of uh, security through obscurity in in all security plans where they don't tell you all of the secret sauce because uh, not knowing it makes it harder for you to, to, to figure it out, to figure out what's going on. And they certainly don't want to make all, everything they do completely public. And so, um, so we'll see, you know, uh, how that works out. The idea behind this is by providing more information we should get, you know, more eyes on it and it should be more secure in the long run um uh, and that's their plan at least apple's plan so uh for the benefit of all of us let's hope so let's hope that that's how it works so apparently in their developer um uh section or or division apple has already started looking at what comes after 5g and they published a job listing which gives people a little peek into things that apple is trying to get technology people for people who have background in and uh, the listing uh, says that the position will be at the center of cutting edge research group responsible for creating next generation disruptive radio access technologies over the next decade uh, you'll work on defining system-level concepts, proposing and researching innovative ideas and algorithms, performing complex system simulations, uh, defining rapid prototyping platforms to help prove your ideas, and specifying RAN protocols for the next generation 6G cellular systems. Uh, they're looking for people who are passionate about 6G technology, which is interesting because you'd be passionate about something that doesn't exist at all at this point. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it says that the role will be responsible to for uh, participating in industry and academic forums, and uh, and of course, Apple didn't return a request for any information about the or comments about this position that they posted. But if that's you and you think you might be interested in that stuff, then check the Apple uh, website. There's uh, uh, a job out there waiting for somebody who who's into radios and. Uh, and cellular connectivity and, and has ideas about ways to do it better because they're, uh, 
they're you know looking to move on already or looking over the horizon i guess is the right way to look at that you know because they just launched their first 5g phones um in in the last part of last year again so a few months back and uh and here they are posting jobs for people who are ready to start developing what's coming next which is probably a decade away at this point um you know, which, but you expect that. You know, the large companies like this—they're investing in the technologies that are down the road and coming up, so that they can, um, they can, uh, you know, see what's what's next. Which which G are you on? We got all the G's. We got more G's than the other guy, and our G's are all capital G's. Uh, which you know, means you're probably not the right person for this job because you don't don't know what that means uh, if you're if you're talking like that. But uh, yeah, you know it's uh, it's a good thing that the technology companies are uh, are pushing forward and pushing the boundaries because that's what we want them to do. You know, if we want to have that next cool device, then they have to create that now. They have to start working on it now, and that means not only radio technologies, but you know the CPUs underlying the the screen technologies, lots of different things. Um, you know, I earlier talked about the rumored event in mid March. They're saying maybe March sixteenth at this point. Um, the iPad Pro that they're talking about, uh, or that has been rumored, is one that'll use a new screen technology, something called uh, Mini LED. And if you have a fairly new 4K uh, TV, you may have what is essentially a mini LED on those already. What that means is is that instead of backlighting the, the liquid LED display, the liquid uh, light-emitting diode display, um, they're, they're backlighting it from the edges of the display, which is how they have been done traditionally. There's something that shines light from the edges into the middle of the screen. Uh, they will have... Uh, a mini LED has an array of LEDs behind, and each of those different uh, LEDs and areas of LEDs can be brightened or dimmed uh, independent of the rest of them, so that if the screen is showing something that is supposed to be dark, they will dim the backlighting to make the darks look darker. Um, and so it, th these TVs are higher contrast and look sharper to a lot of people. And so they're using that same technology to use an array of backlighting to uh, to create uh, a higher contrast screen on iPads. Um, now, m that's a mini LED. That's not to be confused with micro LEDs, which are still in development as well. And micro LEDs are actually s uh, really, really tiny red, green, and blue LEDs that emit light directly to your eyes as opposed to uh, through a backlight. And those are uh, something that also are being worked on, and apparently that display technology is not ready for prime time yet, although rumors have it that that might show up in a watch at some point uh, as a test bed because as many Apple Watches are out there, there are fewer of those than, than iPhones, and, and the screens are much smaller, so it's a good place for Apple to kind of work out the technology and see how it works in, in the wild by putting it onto a device other than the uh, uh, iPhone or iPad initially. Um, I've even heard rumors that the little display on top of the home pad it will it is using some new technology in there so that you could again a place where they don't sell many of them and they're not very big, but it gives Apple an opportunity to play around with the the manufacture and distribution and and 
capability limits of displays in a way that is not affecting their primary revenue source, which is really smart. Um, it's a, a smart way to do it. If you're going to have problems with something or if you're going to uh, you want to see what longevity is or, or how bright they work or how well touch surfaces work integrated with certain screens versus others, uh, doing that on a much lower volume, much smaller screen is just smart. And so, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, usually the, the invitations come out a, uh, a week in advance-ish. And so if it really is going to happen on the 16th of, um, of March, then we should know by the second week of March, say like on the 9th, the 8th or 9th, then they should have invitations come out um, or at least notices. This will probably be, as have all their most recent um, uh, announcements, a virtual announcement. Um, I don't think that they would have you know, people come in to Cupertino and sit in their theater for this. Uh, given the current state of lockdown of stuff. so um, But I could be wrong. You never know. You never know. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Um, so, you know, today uh, we had sort of the special edition of um, Back from the Brink. Erin is not here. She's busy. And so I have uh, sort of done a tech version, a tech update for Back from the Brink. I hope that... Uh, you have found it interesting. I appreciate you listening, and uh, and we will be back on Monday. Uh, have a wonderful weekend. I'm Todd Brinker, and we'll see you soon.